In the following live session recording, John Oliver, youth pastor with Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia, talks about connecting in the community. John has a heart for reaching influencers of students through campus ministry and helping leaders leverage their uniqueness in reaching students. In this session, the listener will discover how to grow the kingdom and your church by being an influencer in your community. Let's join John now. Uh, before we get started, I'd love to uh, to pray and then for us just to take a few minutes just to talk through through these questions. I think this is going to really, this will be beneficial and impactful for where we're going to go during our time together. And so we'll, we will need to establish this these things so that we can talk amongst ourselves about it. So uh, let's pray and then we'll get rolling, right? <clears throat> Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you and... We say thankful, thank you for who you are. God, and thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that you've made for us, for the way that you've pursued us and still continue to do so, Lord, for the responsibility of ministry and for entrusting us with your people. Uh, God, be with us as we talk over this course of this next hour, uh, just about who we are, who you've created us to be, who you've entrusted us with, the uniqueness that you've given us and uh, the uniqueness of ministry context that we have and uh, Lord I just pray that during this time that you would strengthen us uh, that you would give us clarity that you would give us energy and enthusiasm and God more than that I pray that we would leave here looking more and more like the image of your son Jesus it's your son's name we pray amen um, so we've kind of gone around a little bit and just talked, but I'd love for you to just kind of say, you know, who you are, uh, the church that you serve at, the role that you serve in that, and then how long you have been in student ministry uh, or curious about student ministry or, or whatever. So. Uh, I'm Michael. I'm from Rosemont Baptist Church, not his Rosemont. I'm from Waynesboro, Georgia. Um, I've been there for three years now. Three years now as the minister of family. I'm Brister. Just uh, moved from overseas a year and a half ago with a heart for international students that may feel lost in a, a strangers in a strange land. And my wife and I uh, are making inroads to the, through the uh, Georgia Southern University. My name is Neil Sanders. I'm the husband of Robert Sanders. Grace Baptist Church in Eastern Georgia. Um, we have worked with youth and we presently teach uh, the little children, first and second grade. Um, and we've been doing it, I've probably been doing it 20 years. That's awesome. And, uh, and I know just to give a little brief testimony, I know that whatever you do, do it sincerely in prayer. That's right. Because we were one through visitation, and we never even talked to anyone. When they was uh, pastoring, some more people from this church came to visit us, um, and we actually sent it to sent our order to the door because 
we just thought it was somebody we did sell the person we wouldn't talk to them or whatever but anyway we could see our dog anyway all it was was a pastor and some more people from church left us a flyer inviting us to church praise god we found that church where that day was over and we have not stopped yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm Janice Adams. Um, I go to Jefferson Street Baptist Church in Dublin. Um, I'm not really head of any ministry there. I mean, we have a small church, so I'm just an active parent and kids meet me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, if I could just encourage you in that. So I didn't have a student pastor until I was, I had one for a half of a semester in eighth grade and I had one for um, a year, my senior year, but I was already checked out on him at that point. The most impactful relationship in student ministry in my life was a sixth grade Sunday school teacher who just volunteered his time and was the first person other than my dad to tell me he loved me. And so I, first male outside of my family to do that so just don't ever undersell what you do that is a huge that's awesome so just to take a minute to say that to you um, I'm Cindy Rich from Mill, Georgia down the road go uh, to Oak Hill Baptist I'm actually an elementary school teacher also this is my 37th year teaching Wow um, I've been involved with different levels of kids at the church been involved with the youth for 17 years between uh, being a Sunday school teacher or like a fill-in when we didn't have a youth minister and the parents had to step in and fill into that position. Um, we're kind of in that position right now. We don't have a youth minister, so we're all just stepping up again trying to help our youth yep. where they need to be. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Lee Gardner, uh, my home is Collins, Georgia, member of First Baptist Collins there. I teach and direct the Evans County Christian Learning Center. Uh, we partner with the high schools in Claxton and the middle school. And so I have two accredited classes, high school classes and one middle school class. And been in youth ministry for about 30, 35 years. Right. You want to go? Yeah, I'm Jody from uh, Eagle Baptist. Uh, we're up in Northern uh, Georgia as well. Uh, senior pastor there. Just Looking for ways we, uh, to assimilate some new kids. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm uh, Richard Pound from uh, Eagle Baptist Church, and I'm, uh, I guess, an outreach team leader right now. And I'm just trying to figure out how to feel the people in. And that was my third grade yes. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, we will it's definitely. I am a Lord. <laughs> We will definitely talk about that, and the thing I'm excited about is I really believe you guys will leave here with practical ways that are going to fit your community that's not going to fit anybody else's, and that's the same for everybody. So it's just some of the practical things we'll talk about will really uh, really help frame a really good picture for us. Cameron Reed, I've been the student pastor at First Baptist St. Mary's for two Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and then what about you? I'm sorry. I'm Mark Santana. I'm at Calvary Baptist Church in Justin. 
Yeah. I've been there for about two and a half years, about doing state ministry for about 12. Wow, that's awesome. What else do you that's that's really it. That's really it. But you can um, you can lead us off on this number number two here. So, um, is your biggest ministry win last year, and why? What we can do with these, we don't have to go one by one. But we can just pop up throughout the room. So, what I mean by biggest ministry win is uh, it could be something as small as a kid who was a fringe kid who didn't want anything to do with the ministry, and you really saw him really connect or her really connect in the ministry and is now on a totally different path than they were a year ago, that can be a huge win. Or uh, you did you did something that was a little bit different or and it and it just hit or, or whatever. Just talk about something that, that you really believe was a big ministry win for you and then why? Um, with us, uh, we had a group to go to Super Bowl mm-hmm. and it took a lot of our church members but we took some that you know, they had been coming some, but not a whole lot. But anyway, they was three boys and triplets. Two of them got saved super well. That's awesome. And one of them got saved, the last one got saved a couple of weeks after they come back from super well. But our pastor, he said, that's the first time you ever got baptized triplets all together. You know, so I would imagine that doesn't get to happen very often. No, but it was good. And they are so dedicated. Oh. You know, if as adults, if we would be happy and dedicated to those treatments, there's no telling us what we could do, you know, but they are, they are really dedicated. Right. Last year, uh, I was teaching two high school classes and the counselor is a Christian at the high school. So when she would have a problem child or something other, she would just send them to my class. And, and they're, we're open to Christians, non-Christians, as long as their parents sign off and they participate at the learning center, we're welcome. And the parents signed off for them to come. And I had one, two that had transferred from Miami, Florida, and one that just was just rebellious as I'll get out in. The first two weeks of them in my class, it was a little bit uncomfortable, but after about two weeks of us being consistent in God's standards, those kids, I saw them saved, and I saw them changed, and it, uh, it was a God thing. It had nothing to do with me. It was just having those godly standards and keeping them there, and them realizing that that I and the Lord loved them as they were, but they had to abide by those standards. And so it's just been neat yep. working with the public school system and seeing how the Lord's been. No, when could also be that you now have more volunteers than you did this time last year. Uh, it could be that you have less volunteers, you know? So, um, <laughs> um, it, it, wins could, could come in any shape and sizes. And a lot of the times, I believe the reason we have a hard time answering what our biggest win is is because we're so caught up in what our hurdles are, right? But. Robbie Gowdy is a pastor of Long Hollow up in up in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, and he says that what we celebrate, we replicate. And so, really and truly, our our conversations <laughs> with the people in our ministries, our conversations with the people in our church surrounding our ministries, we don't need to just talk about man, we got this coming up, and it's just going to be you know. The, 
I think a lot of the times people are scared of student ministry because every time they talk about it, all they're hearing are the needs. They're not hearing the wins. You know, we don't we don't do a good job as the church talking about our wins and things of that nature. And so, you know, if, if what we celebrate, we replicate, and that that is true. Then we need to be a cult, we need to create a culture where we're talking about things that are exciting and where you know we are. I think it's as simple as in, in creating a culture where there's wins, it's as simple as just identifying some low-hanging fruit in your ministry where maybe there's a kid who you've noticed who is really, really uncomfortable in talking out loud, who hates reading the Bible out loud, and will absolutely clamshell up if they do. And over the course of time, you see that they kind of start coming out of there. You're encouraging them in that, and then all of a sudden, that kid is volunteering to pray or whatever. Like, that's a win. And that is a huge win, and that is something that you're very aware of, but they may not think anybody else sees. And they just take a thank you note. You know, I would encourage you, do not text them on that. <coughs> write them a note, write them a handwritten note, put it in the mail, and say, hey, I just want you to know, Jacob, that I really know that that was, that was hard for you, that that was really out of the box for you, and I'm so proud of you for doing that. And you know, like that is creating a culture of winning where that kid from that point on knows, man, she knows, she's paying attention. That's exciting for them. You know, like that, that's creating a culture of winning where you're encouraging students to, to continue to grow in, in really small ways. Did you have your hand raised on one? Yeah, I was gonna say, we had a testimony service a couple of weeks ago. It may have been last Sunday night. We had, like in our big Sunday night service with all the adults and students, we had five students stand up and share something about it. And that's amazing. Three of the five students never talked. Yeah, and they were like, you know, I don't normally talk, but God's really telling me to say this. Yeah, and, and like all the adults were just applauding and excited for the students, and we had reinforced that in them that you know the students are paying or the adults are paying attention and they're encouraging. Them. I've got so many compliments about students since that happened. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, Jesus recognized the leadership potential in teenagers, but oftentimes our churches don't, and so that's a fantastic opportunity right there just to say. Man, look at what God's doing here. So that's great. Anybody else? Uh, this last year, one of our youth he is really involved in FFA and like showing animals, getting cows, goats, yep. and all that. I'm from the city, so it made no sense to me. But I told him he had a show nearby, so I said, I'll, I'll see. I'll go out there. I'll see what your what's about. And as I was there, his mom, and they've been faithful for her since I've been here, and uh, she said, Hey, one of my best friends and her three kids. Really need church. They need to go to church. I want her to come to ours. And I've worked on her for the last three or four years, and she won't commit to it. I said, okay. So I knew that coming in, and so they were there, and they were showing as well. Still don't understand what the point of showing goat is, but you know, learning every day from them, and uh, and talk with the mom and talk with the kids, and uh, ever since then they've been in like every youth group since. That's uh, awesome. Since then, and they one of them went to camp with us. I still go to their shows when they're you know fairly close and, and seeing them and they know I have no clue what's going on and really no interest but they know that being there it really just was showing I really care about your kids and their you know what they view about Christ and because I care about them the mom's like I need to be at church too and she hasn't missed a, a Bible study since I and mean, she's there every Wednesday with her Bible study and her group and um, so that's the biggest way that we've seen this last year just seeing those people come that weren't there. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, people vote with their presence more than they vote with their words. And 
that's the same on the other foot for us. So a lot of times when we're just telling them, hey, I support you, I support you, I support you, but our presence isn't mirroring that same image, then so that's good. So let's keep doing that stuff. And equipping your leaders to do that as well, right? Because you're gonna exhaust yourself if you're the only one doing it. Right. So, so biggest hurdle that you see in front of you this year? So biggest hurdle for me, for instance, uh, and I gotta get rid of this chair because it's annoying me. It keeps making noise. Um, biggest hurdle for me this year is we went from a ministry, uh, we went from a ministry who has run about 60 to 65 on average to a ministry of, um, we had last year, we had as many as 181 um, and as low as like 80, 85. And so we have, uh, not because of us, um, it just, exploded and we don't really have a good reason as to why it did um, but we have a space issue <laughs> so when we had 60 it was like not a problem we had more than enough leaders we had all of these things and now it's um, the middle schoolers are way too close to the high schoolers which wasn't a problem because when they had the space they could separate but now um, when there's 80 high schoolers in the room you know there's 80 high schoolers in the room and everybody does so um, we have got to figure out a way to create new spaces with the same square footage and create some separation and create some, um, some opportunities for mentorship and, and some different things like that. And so we're trying to figure out how can we restructure our evenings to maximize square footage, but without just adding adults, you know, because the worst thing to do is just to say, hey, we have a need here and the first one that pops up is fantastic. You know, like I'm so desperate for more adults, I'm just bringing somebody in, right? That's the, that's the bad thing. You don't ever bring in any leader, you bring in the right one. And so um, those are, so that's a hurdle for us this year. Uh, a big hurdle for us this year is maximizing square footage and then also getting the right leaders in place. And I joked about sometimes a win is losing leaders. Um, Secretly, I'm celebrating that we lost three leaders from last year to this year because new culture has dictated that they don't fit anymore and they're not willing to step up to our standard. And so um, that can also be a win. Uh, but now I'm challenged with, I have the same amount of students and I don't have those three leaders. So I'm putting more strain on people. So I've got to get the right people in. So, that, so that's a hurdle for us. Uh, anybody have anything? Volunteers. Volunteers. Um, well, I know with us, I think one of the hurdles we have is kind of like what you were saying, because our community has just been blessed to have uh, a class, like you said, you teach, in our church. Uh, we got eight great middle school coming to our church on every morning to take that class and you know we had to give up one of our Sunday school classes you know just for them which I mean we're grateful we we pray that it grows you know um but we had to, they started it slow we do them just eighth grade right now but next year we hope it be whole middle school and high school too you know Lord will provide everything else that we need I know you know but it's just you know awkward trying to 
maneuver and everything because we've had to kind of combine some classes, uh, which is not a bad thing, but you know, it's just something that we got to get through, you know. Right. Anybody else? Ministering better to parents. Absolutely. That's awesome that you see that that's a hurdle that needs to be tackled. We are, uh, I was talking to a guy earlier, we're starting a parent conference this year. And um, so I'd love to get your contact before we leave today and kind of. See, I actually tried that at our church. Yeah. But we had maybe two, two parents on about, about 60 or 65 students. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm trying to make things available, but I think the, the issue that I have is, you know, we focus all of our attention on students, and we have anywhere from 60 to 80 students on Wednesday night, and it's enough trying to figure out who all these kids are, their personalities, what their dislikes and likes are, and then on top of that, you've got, you know, a parent or two attached to that child right. to figure out how to minister to them as well. And so I've got to figure out how to build those relationships with parents while still ministering to students and show them that they're just as important as Right. There's some practical things that you can do throughout the week. We can talk about that after. I don't want to monopolize our time doing that, but let's talk after. Right. There's some practical things you can do on a weekly basis. And then there's, with the parent conference, there's some strategic times you can place it throughout the year where you're already occupying the whole family. And so it just makes sense for them to join in. So um, this will be, we did it at our church in Nashville, and it was, it was very helpful. And uh, so let's talk about that before today. one of our big hurdles is when I got there most of our group were eighth graders uh, getting ready to start eighth grade and now they're juniors and I have a whole new set of seventh graders coming in mm -hmm. and so these juniors are like they're so used to being the group and now they're having to be the leaders of the group yep. and um, in the first few weeks they haven't known how to kind of be that because they didn't have anybody like that when we started out so challenging them to like be that leader those leaders that the, the, the younger kids need to see yeah uh, that's that's a, the new hurdle that's appeared recently yeah. right yeah that's a big one um all right the last question and then we're going to jump in here but this one is really going to frame our time together so if the church closed its doors tomorrow not going to reopen what would the community miss Church and be Edwards Basketball because that's our outreach to the community. Edwards Basketball. And if we closed our church, that wouldn't be available. It's a good ministry. It is. So here's what I want you to do is I want you to write down that question. Um, I want you to write down that question and I want you to constantly be asking this question because if we were to sit in a room together a year from now, my hope would be that you would know the answer to this and it's okay that you don't right now because honestly, when the first time I was asked this question, it was totally not on my radar and now it's constantly <laughs> on the radar and because this question is on my radar now, the way that I do ministry, the way I think about ministry, and the way that we do ministry 
the way that I lead leaders, the way that everything changes because of this question. And while you're writing this down, go ahead and write down these three words, culture, heart, and passion. We're going to get there as we talk today. Frame more so is what's unique about your church than any other church? Pretty much. You're thinking of it. There's things that we do as our church, but obviously I don't want to sit here and list off all the stuff that we do. Right. It almost comes. It's a humble brag type of thing. You know, right. church does this, our church does that. So the so the approach. So for instance, my first church I served at, um, we did soup kitchen one night during the week, and. Or one one day during the week we would do it and we would host the homeless in the community to come eat. And when I first started there, I thought, man, this is an incredible ministry. But I realized the only thing that we were doing was bringing people in and feeding them. We were really just making their journey to hell a little bit more comfortable, right? We had no conversations with them surrounding salvation. It was just made us feel good to give you beans and cornbread, right? So. Um, the community really wouldn't miss that meal because you would hear them talk, hey, is today First Baptist today? Or is it First Methodist today? Or is it Rosemont today? So because there's just every church in town takes a different day to do that, which is phenomenal. But if every church in town, if all they do is give cornbread and beans and they don't have conversations about salvation, then you're really just providing free lunch for everybody during the week and there's really no there's physical needs being met but there's no spiritual needs being met so nobody's going to miss that there's just going to be hungry homeless people but really nobody's going to miss that right so more more than that the first church i served at had a free dental clinic and that dental clinic is incredible and they not only have spiritual conversations with people but they provide free dental care, extracting teeth, taking care of people that are just in horrible, horrible situations. And they do it every Thursday night. And there are some of the most salt of the earth people you've ever met in your life that are down there. And if we were to close our door, if they were to close their doors tomorrow, there would be a huge need in the community that would not be being met, right? So that is a unique thing because we had a bunch of dentists who were passionate about sharing the gospel and so what they did was they took old equipment put it in a basement and that became something where it got off so it wasn't that the leader of the ministry was saying hey you know it would be great I see all you dentists in here why don't you guys volunteer all your time pro bono and give us some equipment and then you run this ministry that wasn't what it was it was the it was our people Right, and so that's really the question, right? So the uniqueness of your church. So what do you offer? So I'd imagine that nobody else is probably doing upward right now. So y'all are doing upward, and you're having spiritual conversations. And is there a big rec department? Yes, we do have a rec yeah. department. So there's a rec department and that, but, but that would be missed, right? So you've got because upward's cost is a lot lower, and so there's families that can't afford the rec department, and so there's. So there's a, there's an opportunity there, right? So just think about it in that terms. Maybe that'll help you guys. The uniqueness of your church. What is unique about your church that the community would miss? So last week I had a guy tell me in Jonesboro, we were up there, um, 
that the church would miss the prayers. And I think absolutely because prayers matter, right? And and uh, and the power of prayer is unbelievable. The thing I challenged him to do by the end of it was, man, let them know you're praying for them. Go ask them what you specifically can pray for them about, right? Because it's one thing if you're praying for people. It's another thing, and it doesn't make them more powerful if they know you're praying. But the opportunity for a spiritual conversation now presents itself, right? I can pray for you all day long in your parent ministry, but if all I do is sit in Lagrange and pray for you, and I never call you, and I never encourage you, and I never let you know, like it's just a different thing, right? It's a relationship, it's a relationship thing. Oh, could I say something? Mm-hmm. Um, I know every so often. I think it's going to start doing more of like the first scrimmage game that our football team had at school. We brought in all the football players and we had them uh, that night for dinner. Um, they got to eat a dinner, a good dinner, and we had all kinds of uh, desserts and stuff for them. They certainly couldn't have, but, uh, but they had to stay and listen to the a uh, sermon too, mm-hmm. you know. So our pastor, he got to really bring the gospel to me. Um, but I think what really hit those football players more than anything else is a bunch of those ladies stood outside the door when they started to leave, and every one of us hugged every one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it might have been the only hug that child ever got in a long time. Yep. But we told them we loved them, and we hugged every one of them. And, um, you know, and I think they would miss that. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. We're doing, we're feeding the football team on Friday. So, I think that's fantastic. And uh, and we're doing the band, I think, the next week. So, band kids, band kids matter too, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, so I can remember uh, my first day of Bible college class. I can remember sitting in, in the room and the teacher was just kind of going over his syllabus with us. And it was this class called The Journey from Text to Translations. And so it was, it depended on his energy level if you were going to fall asleep that day or not. I mean, it was, it was, it was, an, it was interesting, but it was, it was also really just very monotone and it kept going. But this day in particular, uh, he was going through the syllabus, but there was 30 of us in the class and he stood all of us up and didn't frame it any kind of way, didn't give us any kind of context, but the 30 of us were standing at the beginning of the syllabus and all throughout the syllabus, he would come over and grab three or four of us and tell us to sit. But he wouldn't really, the whole class not telling us why. By the end of the class, by the end of our hour together, two people were standing, I was not one of them, and the rest of everybody was sitting down. And we're all not really paying attention to the syllabus because we're trying to figure out what he has been doing this whole time if it was some kind of like he just picked his two favorites or what was going on and so he asked us at the end of it he said does anybody know what i've just done we said yeah nobody has any idea he said i was proving statistically in 10 years two of you will be left in ministry 28 of you will not be and so 20 years it's incredible right and and just any amount of time to me it has been like this mental milestone for me to get to 10 years 
And I've just, I've so badly, so desperately from that moment, that was like my first couple months in ministry, just wanting to get to that 10 year mark. And um, I'll tell you that there have been times, I'm sure that you guys can understand this and agree with this, that um, there's been times and so March will be 10 years for me. And there have been times where I didn't think I was gonna make that mark. Where there have been kids who have been so horrible or situations that have been so terrible, or parents that have been just unbearable, uh, or situations where they're just difficult, and they're hard, and they and they challenge you, and they push you to a point where you is it worth it? Right? You have those you have those thoughts, you have those questions. Man, is this really worth it? Me having to be the bad guy all the time, or whatever the case may be, is it is it worth it? And like I talked about that sixth grade Sunday school teacher, I remember we went to Centrifuge and it was 3 a.m. and he shows up and I'm in a room that I'm not supposed to be in and I'm playing poker with a bunch of older kids. And we had just been over there hanging out and unbeknownst to me, he had came to the room to check on me to see how my day was and I wasn't there. And so he looked for me from 11 till about three and finally found me I had no idea the whole campus at Carson Newman was like on this lockdown looking for a group of kids. And uh, I can remember he, he took me out in the hall and he just, he gave it to me. And he was like, we're putting you on a bus first thing in the morning and then I'll lose it. And I'm like, my dad's gonna kill me when I get home. And so there's just this whole, I'm sure in that moment he thought, man, this kid, this isn't worth it. Like I've been up all day at camp and now I'm just, I'm gonna get three hours of sleep and now I gotta do this all again tomorrow. Like there's moments where it's like, man, this just isn't worth it. This is not worth it. And so I wanna tell you, if nobody else has told you, I tell you all, all that to say, if no one else has told you this in, uh, in your time the past two days, or maybe you just did the one day, but if no one has told you this, I just wanna say thank you. Um, and I, I really mean that. I don't want that to just be filler like hearing you talk about Thanksgiving and Christmas when these kids when all of the kids that are here domestically get to go home and all the foreign exchange students and kids from from out of the country are just sitting here by themselves like they hear you and your wife talk about just the opportunity that you have to love on them and to give them the gospel and to give them family like that's incredible that's absolutely incredible and so what you guys do matters um, what you guys do matters. And from from volunteering to leading a ministry to pastoring to whatever, uh, it is an unbelievable privilege and opportunity to do what we get to do for a living, but it is heavy. And um, I think in the past 11 weeks, I've noticed that more than any other time in my life. Um, just the weight of now having a daughter, it's changed my understanding of what I do even more. Uh, I thought that I understood the weight because I've always loved these kids, and but now it's like, oh, it just hits a different way. It hits a different way, but I just want to say thank you. And uh, if I can be an encouragement to you guys as you continue in ministry, as you continue in serving, if you have a question, if you have something that you just need to shout at somebody, please call me, please text me. Uh, I'll give you my number before we leave here today. I'll give you my email. Like if I can be a resource, 
I would love to do that. Because uh, I have a heart not just for students, but for student ministry leaders. Uh, and, I, and if I can ever be a resource for you, please call. Uh, but I want to um, challenge you with a J.D. Greer. Um, you can write this down too. I think this is fantastic. We have this written in our church, uh, in our student building. This is something he says. It's do something you love for the glory of God. Do something you love for the glory of God. Somewhere strategic for the mission of God. So do something you love for the glory of God, somewhere strategic for the mission of God. And that really is, that in addition to this question is really what frames where we go. And it's really about um, leveraging your uniqueness, right? What unique opportunities do you have as a church, as an individual? What unique opportunities really stand before you? And before you even get to that point, you start with Genesis 1, verse 27. Right? The very first chapter of the Bible, verse 27. So God has spent this time. In the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth. The Spirit of God hovers over the face of the deep. And then you see God strategically planning and putting in place all of these things that need each other to survive. Right, And so he creates light. He creates all of these things strategically. And then in verse 27 comes us, right? And so verse 27 is that, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God created them man and female. All right, so the first thing that I really want us to stop to consider, I know we've read this, if we've been in church, we've read this over and over and over again, but there's something that should strike us differently about this verse every time is that God did something with us that he did not do for the rest of his creation. Right? God took the time to create us in his image. And nothing else that he created can claim that. Which places upon us not only the ability to be Christ image bearers in the world, and reflections of him in the world, but God created us intentionally unique with that privilege. Which means people matter. Right? Should tell if nothing else, it tells us people matter. The people that we like, the people that we don't like, right, they matter. Ephesians 2:10 says that for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the work he's prepared in advance for us to do. Some of your translations will say craftsmanship, handiwork, masterpiece. But I think the the coolest one is um, and I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big Greek person, but the word there um, forgive my pronunciation, but basically sounds like poem, right? Which sounds like poem, which is a beautifully crafted Masterpiece. It's a story. It's something that God has intentionally done, right? He's intentionally placed those things together. And so I, I love to think of, of God writing your story like this beautiful poem, 
right? It's this masterpiece. So God has intentionally created people. People matter. Uh, truth number two, God considers us some of his best work. Handiwork, craftsmanship, masterpiece. All of those things are things that we would associate with our best work. So God created us as some of his best work. And number three, we were created for good works that are unique to us. Which means that every single one of us in this room is created not only in the unique image of God, but in a unique way within that image to do things that no one else has been gifted to do. Which leads us to a place where when we are made right with God through faith in Jesus and salvation, God has not only brought reconciliation from us to himself, but God has restored us to a right relationship not only with himself, but with each other. And he's placed us within this family that he calls the church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 18, talks about how God arranges the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, what would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the, body, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So number one is that God created us not only uniquely, but God uniquely created us to fit together within the church. And so the church matters, but we are better together. God's strategic in gifting his people and placing them together. And here's the, the big thing that I want us to focus in on for a second, is that because of that, everyone has something to contribute. And I, I want you guys to write that down because that's not always easy, right? Everyone has something to contribute. So I can remember in uh, Tennessee, in a church I served at in Tennessee, we had a ministry fair and we had people come and that were interested in different ministries and you would, they would basically give you their name and number and then you would call them during the week and you would say, hey, um, I'm John Oliver, I'm the student pastor, I wanted to talk to you, I saw that you were interested in serving in student ministry, I wanna to talk to you about a couple opportunities that we have. And this woman in particular was really just not nice. Like she was just, she was, she had some hard edges. She had a really, she was just really, really difficult to work with. And what I wanted to do was find a way to make an excuse not to keep her, honestly, because it was just going to be a headache that I didn't want to have to deal with. And I went to our ministry coordinator and I said, hey, will you please help me be strategic in figuring out a way I can tell this person no. Like, that's just me being honest. I didn't want them, I didn't want them anywhere around it. And so she looked me dead in the eyes and she said, I want to tell you that your job as the pastor of this ministry is not to tell her no, is to figure out how she can serve in this ministry. Because it's your job to equip her for ministry. And I was a little upset and I left because that wasn't what I wanted to hear. And then I got in my office and I started brainstorming and I started, started thinking, you know what, she's right. This person has been uniquely gifted by God. Let's see if they fit. So I met with her, I talked with her, we figured out, you know, maybe the best place for you to start is just gonna be in a welcome capacity, you know? So she was willing in her late 70s to sit down with me and learn how to use our iPad check-in system. So that was humbling to me that she was willing to sit down and learn a new technology to be able to serve in our ministry. And she sat down and for three weeks, she did it. 
and she came to me and she said, hey, I love the kids, but I hate this. And thank you for giving me the opportunity, but I think I'm gonna find something else. So what that did was number one, it challenged me that A, everyone has something to contribute, and B, she ended up finding a place that she still to this day serves that she would not have found and if I, if I would have just told her no. Right, if I would have just said, no, you can't be here, she would have not found. So it's our job to help people find their place. So that leads us to these three words. Culture, heart, and passion. Right, now when I say culture, I mean the culture of your community. The culture of your community. When I say heart, I mean the heart of your people. And when I say passion, I mean personal passions. Right, so you have the culture of your community, you have the heart of your people, and your personal passion. When you think in ministry in these three terms, it really unlocks the uniqueness of your church to serve in a way that the community would miss if they closed their doors tomorrow. So if you think about ministry in these three ways, it's really going to, I believe, unlock some potential for you in community engagement and ways that make you unique. You're going to be able to leverage your influence for the gospel in your community and around the world because of the way that you think about these three things. So culture of the community. So I joke with people all the time in LaGrange, we have this restaurant called Charlie Joseph's. It's been there since 1920. They've served hot dogs, right? They're $6 if you go there, and they're ter- I mean, they're like, they're great, well, they're $5. We're not getting out of there without spending 25 bucks. They're little gray weenies in a steamed bun, and they're covered in stuff. That's not all beef. Beef doesn't turn gray. I mean, that's just, it's just a, it's an interesting situation. The reason I like them is because I've grown up on them, right? But when I bring people in from out of town and take them to eat there, they're not real thrilled with a gray weenie on a steamed bun because it's not their culture, right? It's not what they grew up with. It's not what they know. It's not what they love. And so culture matters, right? When we went to Tennessee, there was a place across the street from the church. And they or, the, the church always ordered their pizza from this place called Ziggy's. Right? Well, Ziggy thought a lot about his pizza, which was not nice to my youth ministry budget. He wanted $20 a pizza when I could go up the street to Little Caesars and I could pay five. But Ziggy went to church. So Ziggy got $20 a pizza. Because when I made the shift, people weren't happy about it, right? So I failed to understand our culture in that moment, right? Culture sometimes costs you because it doesn't really make sense, but that's what you do, right? So all that to say, another thing is like, um, so in LaGrange, probably 85 to 90% of the people that served under me were conservative, Christian, Republican, or independent. When I moved to Nashville, um, majority of the people that served with me were more liberal in their theology, liberal in their politics, and probably lean more democratic. I don't care, but that is different. Serving in that context compared to a context I'd served in for six years was different. The conversations that you have, the approaches that you need, all of those things are different. The ways that schools interact. So why does LaGrange and Troop High School hate each other? 
why do you not want to hire this person because they graduated from this school right those things are things that you hopefully in your context understand right you understand why this business is not a good place to get t-shirts from you understand why this place is probably not the best place to take for a mission opportunity out and like evangelism in the park you understand like if you understand your community the culture of your community matters what you can and what you can't do but the most important thing is if you understand your community you see unique opportunities that no one else sees right you see unique opportunities that nobody else sees which is the heart of the people the heart of your people will always impact more than expensive events the heart of your people will always impact more than money right it's the idea of giving a football player a hug when they leave after they've been given the gospel that's the heart of your people right the heart of your people will always impact more than expensive events so the heart of your people ministry that is unique to your church right so i'm not talking about in that sense well my church goes to guatemala and the church across town goes to haiti those aren't the kind of unique mission opportunities that i'm speaking of what i mean is you have dentists that go to your church that have a desire to share the gospel and you sit across the table from them and you dream of a way where they can do dentist dentist ministry in a way that leverages their gifting for the gospel right it's the do something you love for the glory of god somewhere strategic for the mission of god it's when your wife and you move from brazil and you open up your home at thanksgiving it, that is the that is the heart of the people Right? That is a unique opportunity at your church now because you've brought it there. Right? We have a, an oil mechanic at our church who wanted, I guess, I think he grew up with a single mother, was the heart of it. And so he sat down with our missions pastor and I and he said, I have a desire that we would give free oil changes to mothers, to single mothers. And that while we're changing their oil, they would be having gospel conversations in the hall down the hallway down there with other women who understand their unique situation. So we're not just changing their oil, but we're having eternal conversations with them, right? So that is unique. Um, we have another lady, her name's Pam Sewell. And Pam grew up in a very poor, poor um, uh, trailer park and she didn't have a laundry room and so she grew up going to the laundromat on the weekend and so she would take her change over there and she would hope to find change sometimes on her way over there and so her her biggest thing is she likes to go from 8 to 11 every saturday morning with a bucket full of change and she she asks people if i pay for your drying cycle can i talk to you she has led so many people to the lord because she just pays for their dry cycle. I think she takes like $5 in quarters. Our student ministries joined in with her. We go sometimes, we have conversations with her, we go hang out. Now you don't want to overwhelm the laundromat where people walk in and you've got 50 middle schoolers in there and it's like, 
let me wash your clothes. But um, like it gets a little weird. But all that to say, local ministry started by the heart of your people. Right? And you don't have to be at everything. Right? You don't have to be at everything. And when you don't have to be at everything, that makes room for your personal passion. Right? Which is where you're going to get energy. Which is where you're going to get to continue to thrive and to serve and to do those things. And so before you leave today, I want to challenge you just to begin brainstorming what is the heart of your people? People in your church that maybe aren't serving right now. You know, we talk about the need for volunteers. Man, that's every every single church. We need volunteers. But a lot of times I think if we can find something that they love to do, and we can show them that they can love to do that and glorify Jesus at the same time. They just don't know how to connect the dots. But if we can connect those dots with them, right, we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If we can connect those dots with them, then we're going to have a unique opportunity in our community. And what will end up happening, I hope, is that our churches don't really look like programs. Like our programs are great. Right? We want to keep doing programs, but that, that doesn't really, the programs are not what identify us as much as the heart of our people. And the heart of our people, that's really where our community misses if our, if our doors are closed. So personal passions for me, um, because I have other ministry leaders, so another one of my student ministry leaders um, she has a desire. She's served in um, education for um, like 30, 35 years. And now she has moved over to the school board and she's decreased her hours and she's, um, it's freed her up for more ministry. But there's a place in our town called Calumet Park. Calumet Park is a really rough part of town. But because of her relationship with students for 35 years, she had a unique opportunity to step into that community part of the community and have street credit. She had full street credit and they let her do anything she wanted to do because she was Miss Pam. And everybody loves Miss Pam. And so Miss Pam started a backyard Bible club. She bought a small little trailer, hooked it onto the back of her little SUV, filled it with arts and crafts and little cheap Bibles and she has students and adults that go meet her and they'll cook hot dogs and hamburgers and they'll just hang out and they do a backyard Bible club, right? And they take a lot of the old VBS curriculum and a lot of the old VBS stuff and they, they take it every year. So they're constantly getting fresh stuff and they're getting kids on campus, right? Another one of our guys, his name is Chance Clark Carlisle. He's got an old church van and he lives in Backwoods Pine Mountain and he goes up there and he goes door to door to door to door to door and just prays with pet families, prays with people, and sees what needs they have. And he hosts little three-on-three basketball tournaments. And he's like the least athletic dude you'll ever meet in your life. But he can coordinate a basketball tournament and he's got credit with them. And so they come and then he shares the gospel and then he takes them home. And now he's bringing them to church. And so I've got this youth ministry that is probably 90%, it was 100% white a year ago, and it's now 90% white, right? Because he's bringing in the community, he's bringing the community to us, and it's because of the heart of the people, not because of a program. And then for me, what it's equipped me to do is I can support them 
as the ministry leader, I can support them and I can I can come alongside and I can encourage them and I can ask what they need from me, right? Other than prayer, what do you need from me? But it's freed me up to my personal passion. So when I got done with high school, I went and played college football and uh, in Florida. And then when I so when I moved home and I wasn't playing football anymore, that was that was a thing for me that was that was difficult. I wanted to still be around the team. I wanted to be around the coaches. I wanted to be around all that. And when I first started, it was just I wanted to be around the players because the players, I was still close in their age. But now I'm closer to the coach's age. And what I have found in almost 10 years is that I want to spend my time influencing influencers. And so we started a coach's prayer breakfast. I can't do every school, but I can do one school. And so I had a unique opportunity at the school I graduated from to start there. And so we went in with a football coach that has started growing slowly, right? It's a slow process. And it's sometimes it's sometimes he'll text me the night before and he said, man, I dropped the ball this week. Hey, I dropped the ball this month. Can we try it again next month? And you just have to, you don't, you, I can't get on to him because it's a privilege that he's letting me in the circle, right? I can't come at him and say, you stupid dude. Like, why? how did you forget? Like, I have been looking forward to this all month and you just dropped the ball, right? No, the appropriate response is, hey man, so you're pretty busy right now. I get that. How can I come along and encourage you in the middle of this season of busyness? Right? How can I, how can I help you so that next month when we come together, you're feeling a lot less stressed. You're feeling better, right? So that's the appropriate response for me. And that's things that I've had to learn because when I first started it, I would say, dude, how could you forget, right? And that wasn't the right response. That closes more doors than it opens. Um, but for me, that's been a big thing. And, and so that has led not only me to want to influence leaders in the community, but I want to grow leaders within my church. And so my time this year, I'm dedicating to lead leaders, not only out of the church, but in the church. And I've never really dedicated a lot of time to that. I was challenged a couple years ago. I had the opportunity for for Mike and Ricky and Doug Couch, if you remember him, I had the opportunity to go and, and lead a session at Conclave over the philosophy of student ministry. And I realized 45 people in Chattanooga, Tennessee from all over the Southeast had just heard my philosophy, but my own people had not. And so there was a big there was a big problem there. <laughs> the, four, the, the people I had leading for me at home needed to hear that way before people heard it in Tennessee, right? So the biggest thing that I want you guys to, to really focus in on is what are the unique opportunities in my culture? Right, the culture of my community, what are, what are the unique opportunities in my culture? After that, what are the unique opportunities with my people? What is the heart of my people? Do any of those connect? Right? If they do, great. But oftentimes what you'll find is there may be a pre-existing ministry that someone in your church needs to connect to, but they don't know about it. Or you just created a new opportunity within the, within the context of your church or community. And then you're going to go back to being able to support and lead them, but also be able to serve within your passion. You're going to get energy and it's going to keep you from hopefully experiencing burnout.
that is a very very real thing and you'll I, I think when we when we are serving in our passion we are less likely to ask the question of if it is it worth it when we're serving in other people's passion we always ask the question is it worth it and usually that answer is no anybody got any questions challenges for me I got a question. You yeah. said you uh, feed the football team. Yep. So we've been doing that, and uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've had 37 students come to board. That's awesome. So our, our trouble is is getting them to come. So yeah. how, how do you how do you do that where you're at? So right now, I don't have a good answer for that, as far as getting them in there. Honestly, that was really kind of one of the things that triggered us to uh, influence the coaches a little bit more. Uh, was so that we could connect them with those coaches and then hopefully inspire the coaches to let them go a little bit earlier on Wednesdays. Um, what has kind of resulted in that is um, they are willing to bring the team twice a year to our Sunday services. And uh, so we went from nothing to something. So, you know, so I would say that could be somewhere to start. Um, invite them all to come on a Sunday so that the church can pray for them as the season's kind of getting underway. And then maybe feed them after service and have some people get connected. But I, that's just something I would say, but, um, and it could be too that there may be a bus driver that's willing to take some, take a little extra cash to pick somebody up. Maybe there's a volunteer to do it but to bring them from after practice to the church and then their parents can just pick them up from either the church or back at the practice facility. Uh, I've seen other churches do that. Our coaches is doing that. They're going from church to church, taking their volunteers every Sunday to a different church. Which is great. Right. Um, but I think, you know, hopefully what you'd hope is that they kind of settle in somewhere and, and right. really connect but we're too we're uh, coming up we're planning on inviting football players or whatever band whoever and their parents mm -hmm. to a meeting yeah that'd be fantastic so we can kind of connect with the parents as well back to y'all the, thir the 37 that have come to know the lord and that's incredible. Um, maybe the answer is not so much getting them to come right now, but getting them resourced, you know. Um, so FCA has some pretty incredible free stuff available. Um, do y'all have a regional coordinator for FCA in the town? Yeah, it's actually here in Statesboro. We just kind of got connected with these in Georgia Southern. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, their portal will start connecting more of that. Um, we've just given usage of a building that's on campus um, that we're slowly working on tables and chairs and kind of a to feed them and give them a place to go to. Yeah. Uh, to do devotions, breakfast, and then, you know, hopefully open it up to more than just your teens. Yeah. Um, so, kind of Fallen Avenue was once that starts getting them, you know. Um, Almost like a fifth quarter type deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have a lot of hungry kids. I mean, there's no, it's a, it's a, we're only 
13 miles north of here in yeah. the city. So, um, Portland's a little bit more community than Statesboro is. Um, so we're just trying to love them. Yeah. Just love them over there. Um, some of the kids, uh, and I never thought they were street credit, but I, I have a bunch of them. I walk in the field, they have five. I mean, you just the simple hug and loving on them and, you know, reach out to them. And I'm a police officer and I yeah. come here and did. The only reason I do the police officer part is so I can't go to school, so I can't. It's a God's blessed me. It's only a twice a month job. Yeah. Twice a night. Two nights a month job. And it's really to, to see those kids, to love on them, and to, to show there's a different avenue, and there's better. Yeah. You know, so uh, God's provided, well, hopefully, through that way of bringing in uh, our youth pastor, our pastor, and just different people in the community, we can hopefully start filtering. Church and even create a bus ministry out of that spot, and we're very blessed. We've got an admin that's for us that's helping us. And, yeah, that's uh, huge. Scenes. Yeah, um, so we we're trying. We just keep pushing the prime, and, uh, and God's provided avenues, so we just have to stay faithful. Yeah, man, that sounds like you guys are really on the right track right there. So I'd love to connect with y'all and just see how over the course of the season it continues to flush itself out and so is that building they're letting y'all use is that on school campus uh it's right behind the football field it's on campus yeah. yeah and what and i guess the thing is i was on the booster club president i was quitting it this year and i prayed about not stopping and what i was doing doing them justice of doing it so I stayed, you know, I said, if I'm for the kids, I'm for the kids. Yeah. So I stayed, and, and thankfully I did. I seen that God really wanted me to do this avenue. I've got, I've got to move on, or we got to do something different. And, and so I just reached out and said, hey, this is what I want to do. And they said, well, as long as you can fund it, you can handle it. You handle it. And uh, so being there, I get, uh, like I said, street credit with the kids, and they tell me their needs. And, and we handed out. 30 Bibles last year. Two kids come up and said, man, nobody's ever, ever given us anything like this. And yeah. one still totes it to this day. So, you know, this is fine as a creative avenue. Yep. So. Sometimes you can even leverage your Gideon, local Gideon ministry to get free Bibles. Uh, I love the Gideons, but I would stay away from having them come in and talk yeah. unless you have one that's really engaging. Otherwise, they're just better for your adults. But, um, if anybody's looking, we get them from Bibles and Pulp. We get the ESV paperback full oh, yeah. for 99 cent a piece. It's a full size Bible. I'm going to take a note. Bibles in bulk? Bibles in bulk, yeah. Spanish or English. Spanish or English. Soccer season's coming upon us, so we hopefully we'll feed them, and that's our biggest by numbers um, sport right now. <laughs> and there's a group too of our church. Um, I think I can be a little bit younger folks than we are. Uh, they have a thing after the game. It's called Friday Night Live. They get to come back to our church. It's their choice if they want to come back. But they have food for them after, after the game and all this kind of stuff, you know, yep. that they can spend one on one time. That's fantastic. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna write my number down over here for you guys. Y'all just shoot me a text with your your name and 
tell where you're at. How do you keep your people just under you encouraged? Biggest thing for me, so when I first came in, when I first came into the ministry here, I was kind of in a unique position. So, again, this is the church I grew up at. So a lot of my a lot of my youth leaders growing up are now my youth parents, and some of them are still youth leaders for me. And so I thought for a little while, I was like, man, it's going to be kind of challenging, because are they going to still look at me and see this stupid 16-year-old that got arrested, or are they going to see, you know, this guy that's been in ministry almost 10 years that, that has known what he's doing and, and is doing doing the right things. And for me, they have given me the benefit of the doubt that I know what I'm doing. So for me, what I just try to do is I try to touch base with them once a week, um, outside of Sundays and Wednesdays. And I try to break it up where my Sunday leaders, I contact Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning. My Wednesday leaders, I'll contact like Thursday, Friday. So just try to call them and say, hey, how was your group last night? Did you see anything? Uh, kind of unusual and so now because we've done that over the course of the last year a lot of them are ready for those conversations where um, perfect example this past Thursday I called one and they said hey did you see Anna last night and I said yes I did it was a little concerning I talked to her for a little bit and she said well I talked to her for about 20 minutes and I really think it's time to talk to her mom about counseling so okay so I called mom and mom said I had no idea she hasn't been doing that at home she's just in the middle of this divorce and so she's not really paying enough attention because she's in the middle of this horrible heartbreak but her daughter is dying over this so um, where those conversations were happening before getting opportunities to talk about hey what's going on with this student this student this student so it's staying, it's keeping them encouraged. And then I, then I was able to follow back up with Lee and say, hey Lee, thank you so much for that information when we talked earlier today. I want you to know that her mom is actively speaking with some people to get her plugged into counseling. And like that could have saved her life. You know, I had five students last year who were suicidal, either attempted or said that they had planned to. And we were able to get them, uh, get them the right help. I think that's just a, it's been a reminder that students have a lot going on and they have a lot pulling at them and a lot of times the information they're processing with has the wrong filter on it. And we have an opportunity to give them the right filter. But it's hard. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. And then this year with leader development too, uh, we're starting, uh, I typically don't like like the regimented stuff, so I'm trying to find a balance, but uh, Ministry Grid offers some free training, well not free training, it's $400 for the year, uh, but Ministry Grid offers some training that you can do with your leaders, where you can go in and kind of customize options on what you want, like, so Ben Trueblood and John Paul Basham and Andy McLean handle the student ministry stuff. Uh, they're all the guys that do Lifeway Student Ministry, which are they're great dudes, and 
they're not just people that are running the ministry and they've never been in student ministry. Like those are guys that were in student ministry for 20, 25 years. Um, so they know the world and they give you really practical advice. And so we are actually launching into doing those videos with our leaders. Because I found when I got there, of the leaders I have, I have some leaders that are in their 60s and I have some leaders that are in that are 18, fresh out of school, that are working with middle schoolers, you know. And some of them have little kids and some of them have high school age kids and some of them don't have kids in the house anymore. And some of them don't have kids at all. And so to put them all in a room at lunch and say, hey, let's fellowship and talk about life doesn't really work when there's not 80 kids running around or 100 kids running around because the whole reason they're in a room together is because of those kids. So then the whole context of that meeting becomes kind of pointless because these people are frustrated because these babies won't shut up and these people are frustrated because they've got to get somewhere to get their kids somewhere, you know, and then you undoubtedly have that one leader who no matter what you say only came to the meeting because they want to say something that sparks a conversation that gets you totally off the rails. So then you spend your whole week saying, well, man, I didn't, I don't think I got to talk to them about anything I actually wanted to talk to them about. And I, I they probably didn't hear any of it, you know? So that kind of led us on a rabbit trail to say, well, what would it look like for us to go a little bit more digital in our training? And then follow it up with personal one-on-one -on -one contact to say, hey, just curious, did you have a chance to listen to that, you know, five minute video this week, what'd you think? Um, and then still get them together, but just be a little more creative about the ways you get them together. If that makes sense. Is that helpful? Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's um, let me pray for us again, and then we will be uh, dismissed. Thank you, guys. I hope this has been um, give you something to think about and. Um, Please keep me updated ways that, that Krista and I can be praying for y'all and ways we can encourage you. I'd love to hear how that continues to, to work itself out. That sounds incredible. And uh, I'm going to talk to our pastor when we get back about college students. Another thing we do Wednesday nights, uh, the college students at our church have asked us to do a class with them Bible study. And I, my wife and I were really taken aback by the, I don't know, the, the, the weak spiritual foundation of these kids that grew up in church. Yep. And they're going into a, a decadent post-Christian culture in college. And uh, <laughs> when they get confronted by somebody who asks, why do you believe what you believe? That answer should come quickly, but it doesn't. And uh, we just started with the basics. Tell me, what do you, tell me about the attributes of God. Tell me about the, the Holy Spirit. Tell me about, and, and what I see is a definite need for a small group or one-to-one -one discipleship, starting maybe in junior high school, because we can't let the kids go on to college. Right. We all know how many kids lose their faith in college. And uh, I have grandkids on. It woke me up. 
I'm very thankful that that trend over the course of the last 15 years has dropped. Like that percentage has dropped from kids walking away from the faith. It's still high, but it's dropping. And I think it's because more people are seeing that. And I think the thing to remember is students are challenged all day long in school. Like I've got kids taking AP calculus. I didn't even touch calculus, you know? But they've got, we've got kids that are doing AP classes and they're being told, hey, you can, you're gonna do this equation and you're gonna write this problem and you're gonna write this essay and you're gonna do this. And then they come to church and we think, wow, oh, that's just too much for them. I don't think they can handle that. The maximum that you can expect from 90% of your people is the minimum that you allow. Because most will just do the minimum. But the 10 other percent will rise to the challenge. And so why not raise the bar, you know? That's why I went complete, I don't think there's anything wrong with topical messages. I think I think they're great. Um, when, but we just start, I just started preaching through books of the Bible with our kids. And it challenges me personally, because it makes me preach things I wouldn't typically do. Um, but it also exposes them to, um, it also exposes them to scripture. And I don't have to leave at night thinking, man, did I, did I entertain them enough? Are they gonna come back? The only question I'm asking is, did anybody die and was I faithful to the text? And, I, and if, I did, if nobody died and I was faithful to the text, it was a good night. So, um, but it took a while to get there. But I think you guys can always, students can always do more than we think that they can. And again, Jesus saw a lot of leadership potential in teenagers. And, uh, and we should too. Did I already pray? Or I have not prayed? Let's pray. God, we love you. And uh, just thank you again for who you are. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. And just for time we've had to be together. Uh, for the privilege that we have to lock arms together. And uh, just to serve students, Lord. To serve students and to serve your bride. And uh, God, just so thankful for... Uh, the men and women in this room, for the families they represent, and the context that they come from. Lord, as we go into these uh, next days, months, years, uh, just pray your blessing over uh, over us as we lead ministry, Lord, that you would bind our flesh and you would release your spirit and that you would do far more than we could ever imagine, Lord. We know that you will. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.